interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kearns, your host. Glad to have you along. It is an exciting day uh, for Huskers. Uh, if you uh, go to the uh, Purdue game, I'll be there. I'll be wearing red. I'll be in, actually, I'm in North Stadium, about 86 rows up. So I'll be recovering from a nosebleed. But after I get my the nosebleed stopped, then I'll be watching the game. And, uh, you know, I, ever since my childhood, if you're just in the house, that's good enough. And we'll just, we'll just have a good time. Hopefully the defense plays lights out. The offense doesn't throw two interceptions in the first five minutes. And uh, we find a way to win that thing and get to five wins and maybe a bowl game. And I'm telling you what. I really, really want to go to a bowl game, even if it's the toilet bowl. I don't care. We haven't gone and said how many years I'm going to do that. And uh, so that's that's what I'm doing this weekend. What are you doing this weekend, Dan Albert? What am I doing this weekend? Well, um, I'll look for you in the 86th roll to stay now in, in your seat. Yeah. Have they widened it yet, or are you in with a 14-inch seat with a 28, 20-inch bottom? Here's how they here's how they widened it. Um, we, the, it may be a sellout, but it's not a show out. <laughs> so, so we, I'm in the, I'm in one of those sections where, hey, it's not that crowded. It's okay, you know, unless it's like a super duper good game. Okay. Like, well, let me qualify. A super duper good game that that the people think we can win. So you mean the '86 roll could have a few people, even though they bought tickets, not be there. That is exactly what I'm saying. And then the temperature could be, we don't know what it is going to be later today, but it's supposed to not get too warm. It's supposed to be pretty cold. And you'll stay no matter what. Oh, you kidding? No, no, I'm not kidding. Would you stay? Yes, I will Last time I went with Beth, we got through the first quarter. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, we did. We got all the way through the first quarter. And she says, is there more? (laughs) Did you? (laughs) Well, now, uh, I got to admit, you know, when I, by the way, uh, in an, another week, another week and a day, what I'll be doing, the good life havesy. And one of the rules about training for this is you train in all kinds of weather. You know why, Dan? No. Because you never, well, I bet you do know. But you're, you're, you're I want to hear your you're, side of it. You're playing along so nicely. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, the, well, the reason is because you don't know what the weather is going to be like on the race day. Okay. And so you got to, if you it's gotta hot, prepare. you still got to train. If it's, okay. uh, if it's windy, you so, still got to train. So what's the worst if weather you've trained in? You know, you know the funny thing is the cold is not bad because you can because you're going to get warm when you run and you're okay. going to bundle up. The worst is I the one thing I won't run in is uh, sleet ice. Okay, no ru- no running in ice. No running in ice. I mean, you're, just, you're gonna you're, it's bad. too much risk. It will too much risk. But okay. cold snow, even a little bit of rain. I did do one 11 mile training run in uh, in mist this time. Okay, and uh, it was about you know whatever 50 degrees and misty. I got soaked. Yeah, it's okay. But you you fought through it. Fought through it. And you know what? One time it came in handy. The one marathon I did in Fargo was like 42 degrees and 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 misting the whole time. And you know what I thought as I was doing it? What? I've done this already. It doesn't make any difference. Oh, I've already I fought my way through it. I know how to do it. Exactly. That's what we're So, so you've run one marathon? Only one, yeah. Okay. I did yeah. one, too, the Lincoln Marathon. Yeah. The toughest thing, yeah. that, that I still remember this moment. Yeah. 13 miles in, halfway, <laughs> you run right by where you could quit. Yes. 
And did you, and then were you, you tempted? And then you, well, <laughs> my God, incredible. Yeah. And then you start running off again. Oh, oh my God, man. you're exhausted. You say, really? I'm going to run off and. That's. That's, that's nuts. That's a, that's a bad idea. <laughs> that's a bad idea. I was, now, by the way, the one I did was in Fargo, which is flat as a pancake. Okay. So that was a bonus. Okay. Actually, you know, cold weather is a bonus too. Why you, is that? Well, you know, you get hot when you're, I bet on that second half of the marathon, you were. Wait, you mean when you have all that wind running by you as you're flying <laughs> through the wind? Yeah. Cutting through the wind? That's true. That was, yeah, that was pretty amazing. That was, uh, I remember one guy I talked to and he, I told him, yeah, I finished my first marathon. I told him my time and he kind of looked at me like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, because it was so slow to him. Look. But you know. Ninety-eight percent of the people didn't run any. Well, see, there you go. So we got finished. Yeah. Right. Well, good. So a week from. So you had to get that in. You had to tell people right, right away two things. Aren't you a minister? Yeah, that's right. So here's what you've done so far. Yeah, you've yeah. told people that you you get to go to the game when a lot of people don't. Yeah. And that you're going to run a half marathon where lots of people can't. So you're really just bragging. That's yes. Do ministers yes. brag? Well, evidently they do. <laughs> this one does. <laughs> so, but you know what? What? Here's the deal. Anybody who wants to do this stuff, uh, there is a way to do it. Okay. And it's called training. Okay. You know, every time, every time I do one of these races, you know, I'm usually middle of the pack. Although the last time I did this, I was last in my age division, but which was not very pleasant. But, you know, every time you do this, you see people who are like, they look heavier than me. They look older than me. They're, you know, whatever. And, they, and they're doing it. And they're doing it, and they're doing it better than me <laughs> so or faster than so me. So does that make you feel glad for them, or are, you in, or are you competitive and irritated that they're better than you? Well, I am competitive and irritated, but it actually does make me feel glad for them. Because I, every time I look at that, I say, okay, they, you, don't, you don't just get that. You earn that. So you, you that, don't really ever run by them and want to trip them? Well, <laughs> no. No, I don't. But... I, but it, but it's, it's just a fact of life. Every time I see that person, whoever that person is, yes. I just, the tape I play in my head is, okay, they trained harder than I did. That, that's what it comes down to. They, they worked harder to get in that position. Don't for that you wonder day. how hard one could actually work? I mean, when you're working hard for training, don't you yeah. think you're actually putting in 99% of your ability? <laughs> I used to. Now I know that I'm actually holding back a little bit. Oh, you, okay. Yeah, yeah. See, I always think it is until I see someone else yeah. that's doing more. Now, yeah. then all of a sudden, I have more in me. Yeah. And I'm always surprised because I would have <laughs> thought I was giving it my all. Yeah. Okay. Now, how many, when you did your marathon, what was it that motivated you? Um. I had a principal at uh, Rising City who said, do you want to go, who was, I was really competitive with him. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm going to go do the marathon. Are you? <laughs> and I, before I could s- catch myself, I said, yeah, I always do it. <laughs> and, and did you train hard? Uh, I wasn't going to let him get past me. So nice. yes, but everything nice. was about winning, winning. with him. <laughs> so if, I, if you take that out of it, I don't know if I'd have trained. Yeah, I yeah. have a real weak point there. See, a lot yeah. of people. Well, a lot of people say you do it for a stress release. It's better for you. Yeah. No, I do it because I'm going to be better than you. Oh, see, now that's that's why I could never have that as my reason because I'm never going to win anything. But and I know that because I mean, even the guys my age are a lot faster than me. So so never you know that that can't be a part of the equation or else I'd never do it. It has to just be good for me. 
Well, but know. see, I always find the one person I couldn't beat. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I'm good. Then you focus on that. Then I focus on him. Now, by the way, you have daughters who run. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They run. They've run. I'm never going to – I think I've told you this before. The two coaches that uh, that most affected them in middle school made them – led them to running. Mm. Uh, I get them a gift every year because it's been years and years. But I'll say that mm. was the most significant environmental thing anyone could have done for them that built mm. it into them. Mm-hmm. Because now they're in their 30s and 40s, 40s and – I guess they're both in their 40s. And uh, they run all the time. But if it hadn't been for those coaches mm-hmm. encouraging that development, I don't think that's how they would have developed. Mm. And it is there, there are so many spinoffs of running yes. that are good for you: discipline, yes. Yes. health, yep, stress release. Yep. No, I mean all those things and all those things. And by the way, for me, okay. I am a pastor. I will say this. You are a pastor, right? The, uh, that's true. Or you're a doctor of religion, correct? <laughs> Something like that. The. Uh, um, you didn't think this was going to be easy, did you? No, it never is. But uh, the uh, the the uh, the one other thing that is a part of running is, uh, and I and I'm not saying this to somehow sound spiritual. It's just the way it is. I think and and I often pray while I'm running, and and so it's a chance to uh, just be alone. And so you you know you're looking at the trees and the fly, uh, the leaves and the the you know the sunset whatever it is and you're just enjoying that and so it is it is kind of a chance to commune with God too. Okay, well how uh, is he, how do you do that if you're alone? Uh well that's all I need is just uh, so he, so Jesus my, is myself with you? and the Lord. He's not okay. So you're not alone. He's with me. Okay, I'm I'm right. talking to him the whole okay, time. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah. And, and what that, do you ask? Do you ask or do you just be, are you thankful or what do you do? All of the above. I'm <laughs> I, I'm thankful. I ask for stuff. I uh, tell God what I'm afraid of. And uh, I try to, yeah, remind myself. Do you of ever tell promises. anyone else what you asked him, what you told him you were afraid of? Oh, if they if they asked me to. Okay, what did you ask? What did you last ask God? What did you last tell him you were afraid of? This is uh, good for wow, good for you. Yeah, I think. Um, well, uh, probably the thing. Uh, the the things that probably make me most fearful right now are things that uh, probably related to health. Okay. And uh, whether it be related to, you know, uh, my wife, my family, uh, extended family. Yeah, a lot of it has to do with that. And because of, and not, not necessarily that they're going to get cured or everything is going to get fixed overnight, but just that, uh, you know, trouble and especially health issues, they're either going to draw you closer to God or you lean on him. Or they're going to make you mad and angry and bitter and and I and I want and I want in these situations. Of course, I want them all to be healed, but I also want this situation to draw them closer to God. So, that's so you it. you tell him that's that you're fearful this stuff might not happen. Yeah, well, I just I tell him what I hope, what I would like to have happen, but I try to also you know it's funny Jesus prayed exactly what he wanted from his heart, and then at the end of the prayer he said, "But not my will, but thine be done." So. I'm not good at that, but I'm trying to learn to pray that way, that that God would actually make me want that to be true. I sometimes I want it to be true, but a lot of times I don't want it to be true. I just want what I want, and I'm trying to. I think by the time I I die, I'll I'll have it down. But but to trust that God actually knows more than I do, He sees more than I see, and so I'm going to tell Him what I want. But at the end of it, I'm going to be 
okay, but I know what you want is best. Help me to help me to see that. And doesn't it come full circle that if you let go of what you want, then what you that your satisfaction level could actually get better. Absolutely it is. Yeah. That's hard to keep in focus. That's hard to keep that ball in front of your eyes. It is it is very hard. So uh, us pastors work on these things too. Um with Dan Alberts today we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about bread. I want to talk about that a little bit because uh you got a new a new uh gig here down at uh Lincoln High and I want to talk about the Middle East. Does that sound okay? Middle East, Lincoln High, we're both of them. Let's, Great topics. Okay, let's do it. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Dan Alberts, and it's a, it's a Friendly Fire Saturday on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Keeping the topics lively and the conversation civil, this is Friendly Fire with Stu Kurtz on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. We are back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday, talking with Dan Alberts. And uh, by the way, I don't know if you've noticed, but Dan and I uh, are friends. We enjoy talking. And we and no one can make me laugh like Dan or make me squirm like Dan. And uh, so my goal is or is maybe, I think I made you laugh a couple times, but I'm going to try to make you squirm. Okay. Okay. Have at it. All right. It's not easy. <laughs> no, it isn't it easy. I've easy. worked on a long time to be a non-squirmer. You have. The okay, we were one of the things that's happening in the news is this horrible, horrible situation uh, in the Middle East in Gaza. And let's just start with this: uh, you've you've traveled over there. I've been uh, in Beirut. I've been in Israel, Lebanon, Syria, mm-hmm. uh, on the border of Israel, on the border of the Gaza Strip. Mm-hmm. So because of my that's where my parent that's where my father was born. Okay. okay, he was born in Syria, which is now Le- the borders move around it. Now it was, it's Lebanon now, but that's okay. where he, until he was three, that's where he lived with my grandparents. Does he have any memory of that then, or not? Very did, little. Did he... he remembers coming over on the boat. You know, he and my grandma came. Think of this: on age three, they they travel. My grandfather comes. By the way, an illegal immigrant because. Hitler was after him to be a mercenary soldier, and he thought that wasn't his thing. <laughs> so he said, yeah. like many of the people who are trying to come over the southern border, he says, "Got yeah. something's got to be better over there than it is here. Yeah, yeah. And it, I'm not going to take years to get away from this. So he came, mm-hmm. and we actually invited him in. But my grandma and my father crossed the Mediterranean Sea, stopped in Spain at the western edge of the sea, got on another ship, came to New York, got off the ship. My my, they don't neither speak English. Mm. They get off at the Statue of Liberty. They get on a train, go to Chicago, get on a train, go to Omaha, get on a train, and go to Lexington, Nebraska. Then they drive 13 miles out into the country on a wagon to find where they're going to live. Mm. Can you imagine an adventure? No. And they didn't have a phone. They didn't have a map <laughs> map trips. <laughs> yeah. Then they just take off and do this for two or three weeks to travel to get to this spot because they're trying to get a better living. Now, this spot, how did they identify that spot? Because there were prior prior mm-hmm. family members okay. had settled there. And in mm-hmm. out in Lexington in the area, there were some uh, Arabic-speaking people that had settled. Mm-hmm. So they had some contact with them. You know, letters would get back and forth maybe once every month mm-hmm. if it was fast. But they had contact with them, and they thought if they showed up, that they would be invited in, and they were. That's mm. the other thing. You just show up. No one knows when you're going to show up, mm. and you have to just hope that the people that are there say, hey, come on in. 
Yeah. I got a meal for you. There's a bed here. That's yeah. how people, that's what community. Yeah. Now, was this in the Hampton area then? Well, Cozad, Lexington is about another 100 miles west west of Kearney. Okay. So you're on the interstate. Okay. Okay. But and, then once they got to the town, which wasn't much then, then they still had to go 13 miles north of town. Hmm. Gee, I mean, it was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And, and we think of 13 miles as, oh, well, over 13 miles. In those days, 13 miles is... It's a huge... Right. Yeah. That's a... That's, that's a, a half a marathon. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. So, so but... So I, my grandmother, I mean, I used to go work with my grand, my grandparents on the same farm mm-hmm. uh, when I was a kid. And they would tell me all these stories about just what this was like to make this travel mm-hmm. and how much it meant to them to see the Statue of Liberty. Mm. Made them cry and, oh, we're so thankful we're here. And, mm. the, you know, the other thing they told me is we couldn't wait to learn the English language because we wanted to fit in. Mm. Okay. It wasn't that they wanted to lose their heritage. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we somehow lost sight of what they 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 wanted to. They were proud to be from Syria, mm-hmm. but they wanted to fit in because this is was their new land. And if you saw the sparkle in their eyes, that gave them an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You realized how much this being here meant. Mm-hmm. I wish we could. I wish the kids that I teach could see that sparkle. Mm-hmm. Just realize how much. But my grandmother, even when she would tell me the story, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm 10 and she's telling me the story almost every day over breakfast. She, she'd have tears in her eyes every time she told it to me because mm. it's how, how deep coming here meant, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. See the flag, see the Statue of Liberty, yeah. realize where you are, realize how fortunate they were going to be. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, you know, we know America has problems. It has always had problems. It always will have problems. But, okay, if you've traveled the world... You realize, I mean, especially in a state like Nebraska, I always say we live in Disneyland. It's a sh- shining light. It's it's unbelievable. This is we I worry mean, about a football game. Yeah, we got to yeah. go to a bowl game. Yeah, that's our worry. That's the worry. Yeah. <laughs> or are we going to have ninety one thousand people at a volleyball game or not? That's yeah. that's a big deal on our plates. Yeah. We yeah. don't worry about water. We don't. Well, it's just the list is just incredible. It, it is endless, isn't it? Yes. So you go back then on a trip, and you went with one of your daughters, didn't you? My, my older daughter. She's uh, Hillary. Is uh, if one of our family members has my grandparents, my father and my grandmother's depth of feeling about the the Middle East, it's her. Mm. I think if she had her way and everything else could be even, she'd live. There's a draw to be in Israel. There's yeah. a draw to be in the Mesopotamia area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it's deep. Yeah. She has that. Mm. I don't so much, but she does. Yeah. So, yeah, she and I went there. We went to Cairo, Egypt, and we went through Israel and Jordan and Syria, and mm. we traveled all the way around her. Now, in the Bible, they, uh, okay, as the people are coming into the promised land, then they they talk about a land flowing with milk and honey. That it was just a a beautiful and, and when you see pictures, oftentimes it looks kind of arid and it doesn't it doesn't look like a land flowing with milk and honey. What was, I mean, obviously there's different terrain, but but of the parts of it that you saw, does it does it look like a desirable fertile place? It looks like a fertile place that's been beat to hell. Oh wow, wow. I mean it's 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 our holy land, and yet we treated with it's been treated with disregard i mean mm. there's not a lot of electric i mean there's so many things missing for these people mm. short electricity short of and then the 
plastic because they don't have water. So it's bottled water and it's in plastic bottles. They have no place to get rid of this stuff. Mm. So the trash just heaps up. Keeps up. And yeah. They don't have a system, mm. the infrastructure. Mm. Now, <clears throat> not so much in Israel because Israel is highly supported by the United States. So, I mean, we pump in $3 billion a year to yeah. keep Israel. Mm-hmm. But the surrounding areas, they don't have. The Pakistanians don't have $3 billion coming in all the time. And, you know, frankly, the Pakistanians in the Gaza Strip, 90, you know, the average the, age is 18. Yeah. yeah. They're yeah. not soldiers. They're not Hamas. Yeah. It's, well, that was another thing. So the, in Palestine, the Palestinians are like, uh, I, I heard that like half the population is under 18. Under 18. The average yeah. age is 18. That, that's yeah. the median. Wow. Okay. So look, you just, it's just, a, it's like, Two million people in an area that's about 250 square miles. I mean, that would be so much more crowded than we are. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they, okay, I don't even know if an 18-year-old knows what Hamas is, but that's mm-hmm. where they're stuck. Mm-hmm. Okay. They don't have any ability to leave. Mm-hmm. You know, if we understand why they're angry, why you're angry, well, let's see. I don't let you leave. I don't educate you. I don't, I don't uh, make... Your food and water is dependent upon how much I bring you, and your mm-hmm. your future looks. Man, I, I don't think it'd be hard to get him to become terrorists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm going to go do something. Yeah, right. I, I, but that's what I saw. Uh-huh. And you know, and the frankness of it is, when you were walking along the Gaza border, and this this person, this kid's a Palestinian, and this other kid's a Israeli and this other kid's a Syrian. They all looked the same to me. Mm. They were all seventeen. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were just trying to figure out how to get through the day. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if they knew about. <laughs> yeah, <coughs> the difference in. Yeah, how They're... mean Hamas is, or yeah, yeah. <coughs> we're gonna take another break when we get uh, when we get back. Let's dig in a little bit more, and because uh, again, most of us have never been there. Most of us don't have. Uh, you know, we again. There's a lot to unpack, but let's at least unpack it a little bit. Okay. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday here talking with Dan Alberts, and glad to have you along on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns, 1499.3 KLIN. We are back to Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Dan Alberts, and we were talking about what's going on in the Middle East, and, and again, Dan is a guy who's, I've not been there, I've never a lot of pastors make that trip. I have not. Um, just one little thing that for those of you who are students of the Bible, there, there are a couple different schools of thought about Israel, and there's a lot of Americans who believe that there's still lingering prophecies related to Israel, and that uh, and so that's a part of why we should uh, be partners with Israel, because we don't want to get sideways with the Lord. And that is not my school of thought. I'm of a different school of thought, which is... The, the the prophecies that God had for Israel are, are, are largely fulfilled, and, and they continue to be fulfilled in this thing called the church. And so that that my concern about Israel is not necessarily a, a prophetic concern or a biblical concern. It's more of a pragmatic thing. They're a, they're a democracy. They've been a partner in a lot of ways. And so we want to, we want to support democracy in every part of the world. Uh, so... I think a part of when we look at this situation, Dan, there's a uh, we we do want to as Americans we want to support other democracies around the world, 
but there's a there seems to be a different kind of mindset in that part of the world in terms of how conflict is resolved and uh and it's uh, and again it's uh, how would how would you describe uh, kind of the difference one of the things I've said, I think, is in America, we do have, I think we have kind of a culture of mercy and forgiveness, and that doesn't seem to be what dominates in the Middle East. No, no. I mean, if I've been, if I've been whacked around enough or I've been told enough times that these other people are bad people or our enemy, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to fight to win, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what's built into me and I win, you lose. Okay. I, but I, yeah, I think so. I don't. I don't have a lot of things there that I can build in my future. It's not like I have a chance to go to college, or that's not. Mm-hmm. Or here's the kind of career I'm thinking about. That's not what they're thinking about. In my what, when I was there in Beirut, mm-hmm. they're thinking about where's my next meal. Well, I don't. I actually don't know what a kid thinks about when there doesn't appear to be any future mm. from my from our perspective. Mm-hmm. But I can see how you could be angry. Yeah. Um, but when I, but here's what I think. When I was standing at the border close to where Israel and Gaza, Gaza, Gaza and uh, Lebanon sort of come together, and I said, what if I was Jesus standing here? Mm-hmm. Or what would he do if he was standing right here? Mm-hmm. And he's got all these people that all look the same to me. Mm-hmm. I can't understand any of them. I think what he'd say is, look, let's uh, break, let's, uh, I'll feed you. Mm-hmm. You're my people. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see. It seems like we made this division. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't imagine that's. Or if he went to that hospital that got bombed and all these kids got, I mean, I think he'd go and start cleaning up. Mm-hmm. Well, there. Uh, okay, I, so then the, then the finger pointing comes in because one of the problems is that from what it's from the Hamas standpoint is that they don't acknowledge Israel's right to exist right, as a, as right, a nation right. state, right? And so the so you you've from the very beginning you've got a you've got a setup where uh it's a zero sum game. It's a zero sum game. There's going to be a winner, there's going to be a loser and it's and it's battle royale to the death. Right. There there isn't there's it's kind of hard to bring those western christian sensibilities in that would say hey how do we, what would it look like to get along cuz they at their core, it, it, it looks from the outside. It looks like from their core, they don't want to get along. No. No. Do you think we do? Um, well, it, it, it was funny. We were talking about forgiveness. And one of the things before we got started today, one of the things you mentioned is that forgiveness is kind of in our own best interests because it creates a better circumstance for us, right? Not just for the other person I'm forgiving, but it creates a better circumstance for me. So, but that's a that's a way of thinking that has been crafted in in our culture, in American culture, yep. over a couple hundred years, yes. two or three hundred years. It has not been the dominant thinking in in many other cultures. That well, that, it's easy for me to think that way in Nebraska because I don't have to fight the battles every day. Yeah, it's it's really nice of me to be sort mm-hmm. of little little sharper than other people because. I didn't have to fight for food. Yes. Right. I, I didn't yeah. have someone shoot my, kill some, my neighbor. Mm-hmm. So it's, so what do, what have I, what scars have I had to put up with? Yes. So it's easy to be, for, a little easier for me to be forgiving. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You didn't make my meal on time. Damn. But I'm going to forgive you. Well, big deal. Yeah. <laughs> that, well, it is interesting. You think about what's the hardest thing that you've had to forgive in, you the, know, in the last next, year. That, 
my meal was you know i thought we were going to eat together yeah and we didn't <laughs> that's because you stayed and talked to your brother or something yeah. now oh that's rough right i know it. I, it, it is, or i had to bike against the wind or i had to yeah. i didn't know it was going to rain yeah or, or i mean because so we live in Disneyland. It, so then i is it yeah. it's easy for me to be forgiving yeah because yeah. i'm not but if I was someone who had watched people get killed, or if I was standing mm-hmm. by that hospital that got mm-hmm. bombed, regardless mm-hmm. of who did it, yeah, yeah, I think my ability to forgive would become yeah. my tolerance would go away in a hurry. So yeah. I, yeah. here's the other thing, though. I don't. Is there, I don't think there's another answer, though. Yeah. Explain so that. Even well, okay. One of the things you hear is we're going to eliminate Hamas. Mm-hmm. That would be one possible answer. Mm-hmm. That means we're going to kill a ton of people. Yeah. Okay. Now, okay. Let's follow that path for a second. Because if we got rid of them, then this, then the, the Gaza would be different. Mm-hmm. The, with the present environment, the, in my mind, there'd just be another Hamas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I, that doesn't get. I don't think it yeah. gets me anywhere. Yeah. So, so. That's. Uh, by the way, that's what makes Jesus such a cultural game changer. Uh, Jesus doesn't just say, you know, uh, love your enemies. But Jesus, according to the Gospels, as he hangs upon the cross, says the famous words, forgive them for they know not what they do. The the son of God is being butchered as as a criminal. And his his personal practice is to say, here's my prayer. Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's that's a game changer if, if you're trying to be like that guy. Uh, which that's what Christians say, right? They say, well, we're trying to be like, we say we want to follow him. We want to be like him. Well, that's a, that's a pretty clear example to follow. Well, but it's awfully tough to do when you have all this treacherous stuff yeah. around you. Yeah. Cause see, can the United States just go over there with Israel and say, yeah, you bombed us, but you know what? We forgive you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. I mean, yeah, that isn't, I don't know what the answer is, but that can't, that can't be it either. Quite. Yeah. It's. Yeah. So there's got to be some kind of, yeah, it, that's why it seems so intractable, doesn't it? There's just, right. there's like there's just, but, and okay. But so, I think that's why we pray, yes, right? Because yes. we don't know how to do this. Yes. Yes. And we're looking for God to do, to show up in a way that could change the situation in a way that we, that seems impossible to us, right? It seems impossible. It's out of my hands. Yeah. That's why yeah. this is such a mess. That's why we... Yeah. And part yeah. of the reason I think we're in such a mess is because we don't understand it. We don't yeah. got. We don't have these answers. Yes, yes. By the way, that's you're uh, for a non-pastor. Yeah, you really hit the nail on the head there. That's this is why we pray. We're asking God to do stuff that we we don't see a way. We're out of ways. There isn't a way this is going to work. But if God would show up, there thing, things happen. Things are possible in a way that, that, from our viewpoint, are impossible. He's sharper than I am. Yes. <laughs> well, that's that's a really nice way of saying it. That's right. The, uh, would you would you go back to uh, Israel to? I'd to go Lebanon? tomorrow. I would. think that uh, you know, uh, if I wasn't busy right now, I think I'd go there now. Yeah. I uh, I think I'd, my daughter would go, even though she has children. She might take her girls and say, "Look." That's where we're most. That's where we could be most effective. Mm. Go, be good to people. Mm. Cook mm-hmm. bread in the morning and yeah, give it to people or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay. When you get older, you realize that there's either I do something to value or I'll just 
I'm, I'm going to die. I mean, I, yeah. I got so many days to go do something of value. Yeah. Yes. Right. I or, mean, and it or, seems more urgent to do that. I, amen. I feel that urgency. I, and I don't want to sit around going to the early bird special and, you know, and, and, <laughs> no, and, me and the, and the cheap movie. I, uh, I, I would like to, I would like you and I both, I think would like to redeem those days as best we can. Right. Yeah. I have a chance to be of value. Yeah. And I want to hurry up and do it so God could look at me and be just a pinch happier. Yeah. Even though I know good deeds don't. Yes. I'm guessing he smiles a hair bit more. <laughs> but they won't get us to heaven. Right. I understand yes. that. But I would like him to smile. I think, I think when he looks on this earth once in a while, he probably says, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He talks to himself and says, what I do? <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, I think there are many of those uh, pages recorded in, in the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you, you hit that one on the nail, nail on the head too. Uh, we're going to take one last break. When we come back, speaking of bake, making bread, yes, I, I, I want to hear about bread making. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, it's a friendly fire Saturday talking with Dan Alberts. Good to have you along. Uh, we'll be right back here on, uh, the voice of Lincoln, uh, 1499.3 KLIN. Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling right along on a Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. We're talking with Dan Alberts today. And uh, Dan, it is that time we do a shameless plug. I don't know if you have anything you want to plug or not, but uh, if you do, uh, I'll give you the opportunity. You know, I, uh, I would plug people... Um, I think you have a thing at your church next on next Saturday or next Thursday night where you've got all these people coming together to make food or do yeah yeah what are you doing and yeah. I, I, my Beth and her best friend from high school are coming to help oh no way yes because hey. it caught her attention Ooh. and I think every time churches and this is what I'm plugging mm-hmm. or other people give opportunities for people to give back mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think there are people just searching for those opportunities, but they don't know quite how to yeah. yes. pitch in. Yes. And and I one of those things, of, uh, so yeah, we're doing a meal for some college students, but and also every week we do food net. And, uh, and I'm telling you what, uh, the we're, we're getting 120 to 150 cars every week at food net who come through. Everybody gets a box of food and, and some, some good choices, probably 30 to $50 worth of food for free. And uh, and then and there are two food net sites for every day of the week, and and Dan every week there's somebody new, and it's somebody who will say some version of man I've never had to ask for help but these are hard times, and uh, I'm so grateful that you guys do this, and uh, and so I, you know as a pastor a lot of what I do is kind of invisible. You speak words you don't know if the words make any difference at all, but when I leave food net it's like okay. 120 cars came through. They all got food. They're going to eat for a couple of days. Uh, and all it cost them was, you know, 20 minutes of their time. Who do you think benefited more, the givers or the takers? It's not even close. The The givers always benefit from from doing something that's practical. And uh, and I, I suppose the people who come to the line would disagree. They'd say, oh, no, 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 I, I, we needed this food. And But I, uh, it's one of my, seriously, it's one of my favorite hours of the week. Uh, the worship on Sunday morning uh, is a favorite hour, but this is right up there with it. I agree. It's uh, it's a beautiful thing. 
is, and I love to be part of things like that. Oh, and, and well, that's your life has been like that. So it's a it's a fun. I'm just catching up a little bit here. The uh, I want to talk about bread. Okay, talk now, you, about bread. You did this in Omaha at Central, and then yeah. you, now you're starting to do it at Lincoln High. What's what's the bread thing? Okay. Um, well, when I went to Lincoln High, I had to get up awfully early and go because I had to be there. I had a so I had to be there by seven. So that meant I had to leave at quarter to six. Okay, so I didn't have much chance for breakfast, so I started making a loaf of bread, and I thought, well, I'll eat it in a car, and I didn't want to buy chips. I'm cheap, so I, <laughs> and my grandma used to make bread, so I started making bread, and then I took the loaf with me. Well, then I decided to take it into the school, and then, so I had this bread that had been baked in the morning. Well, then Kid says, what is that? I said, it's a loaf of bread. And it was a round <laughs> loaf, like you, like yeah. the, okay, it wasn't. And yep. the kid says, well, what do you do with it? I said, well, I eat it. Well, could I have a piece? And they would just pull it off like you do at communion. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and then a couple kids said, okay, can I have a piece? Well, then after two or three days, I I had to hurry up and get my piece pulled off because there would be so many kids waiting at the door at quarter to seven mm. to just grab a piece of bread. Oh. And it, it, truly, that's how it evolved. Yep, yep. Okay. And uh, pretty soon... Uh, I brought a knife, and it was just funny, I think, because you can't have knives in school. That was a knife oh, yeah. you got bread with, so it wasn't a plastic knife. Yeah. And the assistant principal came up. Yeah. Okay. And she wanted a piece of bread. I said, well, go ahead and cut it. She yeah. says, what do you mean with that knife? I said, well, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in this quandary, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But she never said a word. She said, well, okay, as long as we just use it to cut the bread. Yeah. Okay. I said, well, yeah, that's what we that's what we do. Okay, we're not yeah. going to poke each other with it. Yeah. All right. So, but th- what happened was, and then it became a thing, and mm-hmm. I made one every day for mm-hmm. probably 60 or 70 days. You know, and a loaf of bread, frankly, three cups of flour, a cup and a half of water, and a teaspoon of salt, and a half a teaspoon of yeast. Yeah. Mix it up for 10 minutes and bake it. Yep. Okay. I had a list of people with teachers that would come up there and say, what time will you be here with the bread? They would come sooner to have that bread. Mm. And then we'd sit around. I had this room where we had these tables where you, you could just sit across from each other. Yeah. The room would be full. The first period bell would ring, <laughs> and they would all just stay there. Uh, then what happened is a couple of teachers brought their, said, well, since my kids are over there, I'll just teach them over here. Ah. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> well, then they would just start teaching and learning. Hmm. But see, it wasn't like the bell rang and you're in the classroom. Yeah. Yeah. It was different. Yeah. And then so what it did is it opened the door to have communication between a bunch of people that are at the same place. Yeah. That's what bread does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's I got known for that. So at Lincoln High, I you have to get the people because it really people just don't understand. You got a loaf of bread in your backpack, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But once they once they touch it, mm-hmm. and this isn't this isn't new, right? I mean, yeah. we knew this when we were eating dinner at Grandma's table. Yeah. That's, so I'm just replaying what was done for me. Yeah. And what happens is softens people. Mm. They're they're willing to be to talk about learning. Because mm. now there's not a there's not a gap between you and them. Yeah. So I say to him after I did this, I said, the only reason I'm the teacher and you're the learner is because I'm older. See, mm-hmm. I've had the chance to be the learner. Now yeah. I know some stuff that I'm supposed to show you. Would you just let me show it to you? 
Yeah. And now you're talking to people that have never learned. I work with all the kids that have, I tell the school, just give me the kids that haven't learned. Mm. First of all, most, they're not, a lot of people don't want those kids. Yeah. But yeah. I love them because they're just, and I bridge that with them. I say, okay, will you let me show you how to do these exponent things? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you went three years and never learned any math, but now you'll just let me show it to you. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. That's what this is. Man. It just, it just I don't know how to exp- explain it better than that, but what it does, it just lowers the bar. Yeah. Now kids can't wait to come in versus I don't want to be with you. Yeah. And that, it, it just, I mean, it's it sounds so simple when you describe it, but obviously, uh, I mean, this could this could apply to a lot of different situations, well, right? It does. It yeah. does. But you you have to feel it. Yeah. See, if I think if it became, let's have an in-service on how to have bread, I don't yeah. think it would work. It's <laughs> no. got to be, uh, yeah. it's got to be organic in how it develops. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I didn't do it here until it was ready to do it. Yeah. Okay. So, but it works. I love being there with that. I love doing this. Oh. Okay. And the people yeah. at the school, Lincoln High, leave me, leave me alone to do it. <laughs> and you carry a dangerous knife with you. I do. Now about but that. I hide it if I have yeah. in trouble. Oh, man. Oh, an <laughs> hour goes really fast, Dave. Great, great being with you, Stu. Oh, it's uh, it's great. I, I hope you have a great time at the game. I hope it's cold, though. I hope it rains. It will. Don't worry. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, Dan is always fun to hang out with, uh, but it's time to go. So we're going to say, as we always do, to think about it. Talk about it. We'll, we'll see, see you, you next week. week.